0: To be recording this. Hold on. I need to start this shit up because I need to know Paul's, Paul's random, his newfound random dedication to get- living healthy and like his, like, I get up at 4 a.m. to go to the gym shit. I'm like, I'm flabbergasted by it because it's not I, all I know necessarily. The Paul I know is much more <laughs> sloth like. Yeah.
1: I am 38 days sober. I am, well, and I have been on my, I am now switching back to, to my, 6 a.m. grind, I guess, because on Sundays my gym doesn't open till 8 a.m., which is why I have the time this morning to do what I'm doing. So yeah, feels feels good, guys. I'll I'll take your word for it. Where can I put my? Ah, I've a new computer desk that is like a tiered standing desk. Wow. I don't know where I can put my microphone to best capture my dulcet yeah. tones. Basically, you know? Let's not go overboard there. Hey, listen. <laughs> Is it better now? Yeah. Yes, boy.
0: <laughs> that was creepy. Do you like it better this way? <laughs> <Sorry>. Yes. <laughs> be better, boy. Pretty oh. cool. Sorry, I'm going to be doing a lot of Kratos, I think, today. Mm. That's like... All I've done this week oh, was like fucking. What, fist- like to your make fourth of- time
2: replaying that? Well, it's uh,
0: <sighs> we'll get into it because it's gonna be my geek of the week. But it is, yeah, it's uh, I, it's my it was my third time starting it. It was my first time actually, one hundred percenting it.
2: I think mm, the okay way to describe it.
0: So yeah. I got about halfway in through the game twice, and then just kind of like fell off because like my life has been total chaos for the past year, right? So like I've been like jumping shit from job to job and this that and the other thing. And I think when God of War came out, I was in the process that led me from like going to that agency quickly quitting and then going to the medical place. And I think I mm-hmm. kind of lost God of war in the, in that span. And now I've got the time, like just like just infinite amounts of time guys. So I was like, you know <laughs> what? It's time to sit Go down up. Do and this like, proper. exactly. Do, like we did breath of the wild and I ripped through it and I'm like, I've been playing a lot of games and I have not played God of war and I love God of war. So I'm like, I got to beat these Valkyrie Queens. We'll get into it. But like, <laughs> I got to beat these motherfuckers. All right.
2: Well, let's yeah. let's go ahead and get started then. All right. Well, then that we'll call that our preamble. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, Dance Robot Dance, our one hundred and thirty eighth episode. I'm Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week, and with me we have our sort of uh, new standard crew. We have Paul from fucking South Korea, and five thirty in the goddamn morning. Good morning, everybody. He's for some reason awake at 5.30 a.m. Has been awake for an hour and a half already mm. on a fucking Sunday morning. That's how I do. We've been having, we're having like interesting conversations
0: about sleep schedules because like <laughs> I fell into, like I've been really good. I've been off for like a month and a half or something like that off work. And I've been really good about like staying nine to five, like not like sleeping like a normal person. This week, all of that fell away. Like just apart <laughs> on me. Magically, This so I had two like I can't sleep nights in a row. So I'm like, (laughs) between Tuesday and Friday, I know I slept because there's no way I could have possibly operated as a human being without sleeping, but like, I really didn't feel like I had. Yeah. And that, dear listeners, is Mark, so say hello, Mark. Hi, everybody. I'm just going to explain to you how (laughs) insane I feel right now because of my weird sleep patterns over the past
2: week. It's been... uh, Yeah, I used to be that way, but uh, anymore, I try and get a pretty normal sleep schedule for various reasons. Not, Not fucking like wake up at 4 a.m. normal like wake up at like seven or eight kind of normal
0: (laughs) and i usually like being inside that like nice like i go to bed at midnight and get up at six like have my little pattern like my little routine but like eventually when like the the long form of unemployment you don't really have a ton of stuff going on comes in nighttime and daytime become the same thing not really sure what's happening anymore it's yeah can be a little
1: dodgy yeah, my 4am thing is in response to being in a, a city of 10 million people, and how annoying it is to go to the gym during peak hours when you are in a population density like this, it's fucking, it's just the fucking worst. And when you get there right in the morning, you can do your shit and get out and not have to worry about like, I like going to the gym. But if you add waiting in line to going to the gym, it becomes a completely different feeling and experience that Mm. i despise so i try to in order to encourage gym going and my enjoyment of the gym i go super duper early i get two hours of gym time done in the morning and then i go back in the evening to finish off like stuff that isn't jesus so yeah it's uh it's good
2: keeps me off the sock all right whatever (laughs) yeah Listeners, try not to uh, judge Paul too much for his insane gym habits. <laughs> but I mean, he, he is still wearing like a Pokemon hoodie. Yeah, you can judge him for that. Yeah, yeah so we can
0: judge him for that. There's like, so much it is to judge me for. So much. It's bright, <laughs> and it is bright yellow, like blindingly bright yellow. It's so, like it's I don't damn. know.
2: And teal. And I don't teal. know,
0: man. It's pretty bright according it, to my webcam.
2: So yeah, it's. I don't know what Pokemon that is. Is that anyone? That's
1: Ralit from Generation Seven. He's the Grass Starter Pokemon from Generation Seven, and he's basically just like a okay.
0: just
1: an owl soccer ball, and he's
2: super cute. So that's why I got it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, we're not talking about Pokemon this week. Uh, we're going to have a music episode this week since we're sort of getting into that season uh, where we're going to have a lot of new movies, uh, you know, comic book movies and other stuff coming out that we're going to be wanting to talk about. So I feared we'd take this slight breather to uh, cram in a music episode, especially considering the uh, that other podcast is sort of on a, seems to be on a hiatus at the moment.
0: It's, uh, yeah, I should probably get back into that one, That that last episode. Paul and I need to have a talk about that last episode. So there's definitely. <laughs> uh, Was that last
2: episode, the uh, the Allison Chains one? No,
0: no, no. That one's out. That, so that went yeah. out. The, there's there an episode we did about Mitski that has been uh, sitting in the edit bay as I'm trying to, because ah. the last thing that happened with that episode, and this is totally inside baseball and I might cut it out, but like we, uh, I do the clips while I'm editing and I realize that like, I don't really know the Mitski stuff well enough to be like. I can pick Um. the clips properly. So I'm like, oh, I got to get Paul to like pick the clips properly. I just haven't (laughs) had a chance to talk to him about it. Yeah. Why didn't you just tell me? I could have had
1: that. I keep forgetting.
0: (laughs) Honestly, like every time we talk, it's always about doing this podcast, not about that podcast. Yeah. I'm always like, I got to get like this weekly one out of the way. And that other one is like, it's been sitting there since December. Like just it's edited and ready to go. It just needs clips. And I'm like. And Every time I go to the Mitsuki stuff, I'm like, now I don't really remember this stuff. So I don't know what the best part of the song to pull <laughs> out is. And I'm like, I need to talk to Paul. And like I had asked Paul initially to be like, Can you send me like clips and stuff like that for this? Cause like this is your these are your records. Like I did the Alice one on my own, right? Like I just went in and like I know which clips I want to pull. So like I pulled those. And usually it's okay because it's only one album's worth of material that I have to pull, like as from Paul's reference side. It's usually like we've picked each picked an album. But then like this yeah. one's all Paul. And then, yeah, it's and then the chaos of dance robot dance kind of happened in the middle of all that. And then <laughs> I became unemployed in the middle of all. So it's just like it's been a mess of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we have to sit down and chat about that and then maybe get back on the ball. Because we had a lot of listening we were doing in preparation for episodes. Yeah. It has now kind of gone nowhere. So.
1: Yeah, man, I've yeah. been like kind of had Nine Inch Nails and Aaliyah on in like on a uh, partly on a loop, I guess, for a long time. And then that kind of fell off. And I now I have to get back into it. And then I've been listening to my albums for this week's yeah podcast. And I'm like, one of the albums in particular that I'll be mentioning made me really want to listen to Aaliyah again. So I was, uh,
0: yeah, mm-hmm. anyway. Yes, yeah, so that's like the inside baseball uh-huh. about side A, side B. So, yes, we are doing a music episode to kind
2: of. You know, get there. as long as you, uh, yeah, as long as you don't, you know, as long as you put it out before June, there will be less of a gap between this episode and the previous one than there was between those previous. two. Yeah. was it really? Yeah, there's a long yeah. gap. between Yeah, there's them. a six, six month gap between episode eight and the other episode eight because you name. <laughs> we never the, the Jeff Buckley and Perfume Genius yeah. episode. I do <laughs> uh, is also episode eight, as is. The double Alice in Chains episode. Sometimes when I post episodes, I'm real baked. Like, it's the end of the night <laughs> when I get to, to... And we've had some
0: issues with Dance Robot Dance, too, where, like, I do the edit, and I'm, I'm totally sober when I do, like, edits and, like, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes I'll walk away and be like, I'm going to go get food and, like, do some other stuff before I come in and just do, like, the quick post. <laughs> and sometimes that usually involves doing, like, six dabs. And then I come up and be like, oh, it's just episode... What is it? 137 was last week. So 137 is the right... And just, it's it gets ugly real fast. So yeah, yeah it's my bad that's all my bad
2: <laughs> but yeah so uh before we get into the music then let's talk about some new stuff since mark just sort of mentioned you know the chaos that has been going on with dance robot dance the last uh, few months we finally have some news that we can publicly share about what christy has been up to
0: also we have to say happy birthday today as we're recording this we is do christy's christy's 30th birthday so Ooh. happy yeah. birthday christy happy birthday, happy birthday.
2: indeed but yeah, so Christy was able to share a video this week from... So if any of our listeners are familiar with a Canadian animated television show from the mid-2000s called Sons of Butcher that was on Teletoon, it uh, had two seasons and sort of gained a big like cult following. It's set in a town that's modeled after Hamilton, which is where Christy and other Mark live. And so they there was sort of like a Kickstarter or Patreon campaign or something like that to uh, get it back up and started and uh, they're making a new season of it. And we can't say too much about Christie's involvement, but we can say now that it's been announced in a video by the Sons of Butcher guys that Christie is in the fucking show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which we were all we were very excited for, kind of behind the scenes this week, and we're like, oh, can we post this? We I think we kind of you posted something on you, yeah, on the yeah, I shared it, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Like it's very exciting to see that like, Christie's ha- didn't leave us for nothing. I guess is what we're yes. trying <laughs> to get at here.
2: Yeah. So Christy is going to be doing some uh, voice acting work on that show. So, uh, definitely keep an eye out for that. They've got a pretty active Facebook page and everything. And so you'll be able to, you know, learn more about the new season. That's I'm not sure when it's going to be coming up, yeah. but that is, uh, I think seems like it's being produced right now. So, and we will let you know, obviously,
0: like when that kind of yeah, stuff definitely. comes up, cause like we want to support Christy as much as possible since she, you know, was a big part of the podcast and hopefully will become a part of the podcast again in the future. And, yeah. uh, we miss her. Yeah. So there is that. So,
2: so congratulations, Christy on the, on your professional voice acting gig. And yeah. we look forward to, uh, to pimping it and, uh, discussing it later on. Yeah. We'll definitely do a full review, trashing it. Like it's going to be real fucking shit guys. It's total this is so
0: fucking garbage. I don't know. And like <laughs> the voice actors, especially are really poor choices here. Like there's some real issues. Yeah. We're going to get right into it. Yeah. It's gonna be awesome.
2: Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Speaking of things that uh, left for a while and came back. Ooh, good segue. Good, <laughs> good segue. James Gunn is back on Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Disney announced this week uh, after the manufactured bullshit controversy that, uh, where the alt-right was basically like, if we can't have our Roseanne show, you can't have James Gunn on Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And the neckbeards won temporarily, but now... He is back and I'm perfectly fine with it because we discussed this ad nauseum when he was booted from the project, but it was a long time ago. He clearly expressed a lot of remorse about what he said. It wasn't as problem like those comments weren't as where they were taken out of context, basically, in a lot of ways. And so so, yes, I'm super happy for this, but it's going to be weird having James Gunn work in both Sides of the aisle uh, directing both Suicide Squad 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That's been coming
0: up a lot. There's a lot of actors crossing the fucking street these days, too. So, like, maybe it, it, Mm -hmm. it might just be to the point where Marvel has become such a big studio in and of itself that they can't help but have crossover with everybody else. Like, there's just, yeah, there's only so many people in Hollywood. They've got 20, like, what, probably 10 solid franchises on the go, not including like the overall arching, like the overarching. Marvel like mm-hmm. as a franchise but like each one of is kind of like a franchise with what like a dozen big name actors in big roles eventually yeah like you can't help but have like some of your smaller characters like there's a guy in Captain Marvel who was also in Guardians of the Galaxy who's appeared in other stuff on the DC side too I can't remember the actor's name he's one of the black guys though but like he's you'd recognize him oh, yeah, yeah. like the... that God, I wish I could remember. Yeah, his name. one of the Cree, one, yeah. one of the Cree, one of the Cree guys. But like, yeah. he's in a ton of stuff. He's been in a bunch of other genre stuff too. He's awesome, but I can't remember his name.
2: But yeah, he, ha- he has crossed. Yeah, he was also in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. He was one of Ronan's uh, like enforcers or something like that in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then also showed up in Captain Marvel. Yeah, but he's been in a DC movie too. So, and there was a guy, one of the yeah. guys in uh, Ant
0: Man. Like he's a, a total side character, but like the the Russian mm-hmm. guy in Ant Man. He's yeah, one yeah. of the bad guys in The Dark Knight. Like, he's the guy that Harvey yeah. Dent tortures in The Dark Knight. So, like, it's it's happened before in smaller ways. Maybe this is just now, like, we can't avoid it. It's just going to happen. And I think the James Gunn one was, like, that's kind of a gimme. Like, they have to they had to give up on that one eventually.
2: Yeah, that movie was not going to happen. Yeah, that, without, yeah.
0: Yeah, that movie was basically dead in the water if James Gunn left permanently. So, like, them bringing it back kind of, like, resurrects the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, basically. Because otherwise it was dead. Like, it was gone. There are
1: still some people who are not super pleased with the idea, you know, like didn't take James Gunn's apologies to heart and are still kind of iffy on James Gunn, which I think is still fair. But regardless of your feelings on James Gunn, particularly, Disney capitulating to the right wing trolls from the get go was a bad choice on their part. So I'm glad that they are going back on it. It was still pretty skeezy of them to like, let James Gunn get hired on the other side of the aisle. And like, kind of test the public relation, public opinion waters first before they hired him. That was yeah. I
0: thought that was a little Uh, weird, but yeah, you know, we kind of got what we wanted. It's almost like it never should have happened in the first place, and like now we're kind of back to where we are. It just took like six months of bullshit to kind of get there. So yeah, fine. As long as hey, man, Guardians of the Galaxy three is going to happen. So like, good. I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So
2: exactly. In other Marvel news, Captain Marvel, again, much to the chagrin of right-wing trolls, is kicking ass at the box office. It surpassed $500 million, although so much of the fucking, like, shitty, I won't say shitty, partially shitty, like, Facebook communities I'm part of and stuff like that still are just looking for random reasons to pick this movie apart. And it's really just bitter fucking white dude tears, we say, as three white dudes, but... (laughs) But uh, I'm thrilled to see it doing so well and uh, globally as well. It seems to be kicking ass. So yeah, keep going Captain Marvel. It even looks like it's going to have a big second weekend too. I think the Thursday
0: poll was like a couple million dollars domestically. Like a solid second week poll. So it should do well again this week. Might be number one again. So yeah.
2: Yeah. And she then uh, had an appearance in the latest Avengers Endgame trailer that we got this week. Did you guys actually watch this trailer? Of course. I did. Of
1: course.
2: Okay. Had to. It's turn, starting it's to give away too much. Like, mm. I, I probably shouldn't have. Yeah, I think that's probably the last trailer they'll
0: do before this kind of... I think this will be the last one before the movie. The movie's out in like a month, right? So, like, yeah. you know, it's got to get into... we got to be into the last trailer. So, I thought yeah. it was cool. Yeah. Like, I don't think they gave enough... Gave so much away that I'm like, I I know exactly what's happening. Because there's still enough questions where I'm like, what, they have, like, white suits on sometimes, and then sometimes, like, there's a lot, a lot of cutting back and forth. I'm yeah. really super psyched to see thor and carol just like interact based on that little bit though because i'm like that's gonna be fun i think the two of them i think they're gonna have massive crushes on each other i think it's gonna get dirty real fast yeah i don't want
2: there to be i feel like that would feel real forced i don't know man thor and thor and carol hook up i think just based on the pretty letter and not (laughs) Let her be there and not have a fucking romantic entanglement. This isn't the fucking movie for a romantic no, entanglement. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Jesus at all. Christ. This no. world is like so full of despair. Yeah.
0: And I know. And I argue about against that all the time, but I just like the little like the little glint between the two of them. I'm like, oh, that's good. That'll be fun in a crossover movie later, hopefully. Like hopefully they get to play with that chemistry somewhere. So Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, why not? Maybe down the road.
1: Yeah. And by the way, the name of the uh, actor from Guardians of the Galaxy it, and uh, Captain Marvel is Jaimon Honsu, and he's been around for a really long time. Yes. yeah, um, that's
2: him. Yeah, Jaimon Hunsu. Yeah,
1: yeah. And anyway, yeah, the that one moment between Thor and Carol, like where she's just like totally nonchalant about the hammer that just flew by her head, was just such a like an exciting three seconds. And I'm, and I think they've only revealed. It like it seems like they're revealing maybe like the first thirty minutes of the movie in these clips. I think that they're doing a much better job of uh making their trailers, so it entices without spoiling. Because there mm-hmm. have there's just so many of those trailers that reveal all of the best parts, and
2: yeah,
0: so yeah. they've been they pretty movie. good about that with the Avengers, Disney movies. in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like well, the, yes, the, the, Star the, Avengers the Star Wars movies and ones. the
2: Star Wars movies,
0: yeah. They've both been pretty good about keeping. I mean, some of the mainline Marvel movies will kind of show you everything, but like when it comes to like Avengers, or I remember even like uh, Winter Soldier and Civil War, they didn't really tell you everything that was going on. So they were usually pretty good mm-hmm. in the big chapters of like, no, we're just going to, we just want you to go see the movie. We're just going to entice you, yeah. just, but we don't want to show you everything. So. Mm-hmm.
2: It's been really interesting that we haven't seen a single shot of Thanos in this in endgame yet. So it'd be interesting to see how much of a role he plays in it. I mean, presumably a large one, but
0: yeah, but he still looms over the poster. Like if the poster came out this week too, and he's still like the big backdrop of that poster. So I'm hoping like I'm assuming he's I mean, I I, I can't see them not having him in a huge role again. Like they still got to avenge like what happened. So yeah.
1: But it could be that his very appearance is a spoiler in and of itself, like whatever armor he's wearing or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, So they might just be, or maybe it's just that it is no longer like Thanos was the main character of infinity war. Like he was the, I guess pro not protagonist, but deuteragonist, I guess. And <laughs> it's, so maybe he is now moving into full antagonist mode. So they don't want to let, be, let us be spoiled by that. I don't know. Could be there's a lot. Could be anything. I'm super excited. Yeah. Regardless, I'm getting my tickets right away. Yeah.
2: Doesn't matter. Yeah, I need to get my I need to get my tickets pretty soon. So I mean, still over a month away, but those are going to go fast for that yeah, opening weekend for sure. On the other side of the aisle, some pretty interesting news that has me intrigued at the very least. Ezra Miller is writing his own script for the Flash movie, and he's writing it with Grant Morrison. Oh, is he writing it with Grant? I didn't know
0: that. I I saw the thing about him writing it himself and was just like, oh, fuck, is this movie that bad off? Like, I didn't realize it was that bad. Because that sounds really bad. But then, like, uh, he's writing it with Grant, who's never really
2: written a Flash story like no not 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 a straight up flash story like right now he's writing green lantern yeah. and that book is actually starting to come into its own uh in an interesting way grant's good at long
0: form stuff but like i always find like if you're going to get him in like in a small dose like you got to rein him in because otherwise those ideas get Ooh. like crazy so hopefully hopefully that works out but like yeah, yeah I'm, I'm worried about that movie i mean i've always been kind of like i don't know do we really need it but like this sound that sounds weird to me. Like, <laughs> like the movie, the movie's so bad. Off the star wants to just, like has decided he needs to. Like, when is Ezra Miller ever written anything? Has he written anything before, or is this just um,
2: like I don't know? It's
0: so what I do. I ask the hard questions and then make them
2: go Google it and then I cut yeah, it out. Exactly. So. Writer, n- no. Yeah. <laughs> so like uh, he wrote, he wrote a short apparently uh, once and which he also directed in like twenty fifteen.
0: I mean like I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying it's really weird that they would be like we're going to give this guy who's never written anything like yeah. the possibility of having like the script writing credit on a probably 150 million dollar movie that's Yeah. You know, like it's just it sounds weird. Grant Morrison being
2: involved is kind of cool though cuz like he is Grant Morrison. Well, especially if it ends up being like sort of multiversal like kind of movie grant morrison has done some pretty interesting things with that dc like multiverse concept and flat the flashpoint story ties really heavily into that and who knows if this movie still has anything to do with that flashpoint story but if it does that could be an interesting tie-in so we'll see i just feel like doing flashpoint
0: like in the first flash movie is like Come on, guys! Like, we, there's a lot more hey, we should they, be like developing If they want to reset
2: the universe, I, I'm not. That's yeah, the way to do it. I'm,
0: you know what? I'm not. I'm just gonna stop commenting on the DC stuff. I think because like, <laughs> I'm just flabbergasted by what they do every time. There was even a story this week about somebody trying to convince the world that Wonder Woman 1984 is not a sequel. And I was like, yeah. All right, guys. All right, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I'm out.
2: That's <laughs> like
0: that's stupid on a new level. Like that's <laughs> all right.
2: Going back to Captain Marvel, did you guys see the press about basically Sam Jackson had been completely fucking like lying to people about what Captain Marvel's powers were in interviews and shit like that? And he was just like, I was just fucking having fun with people and yeah. like, totally fabricating <laughs> shit, just totally making shit up.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I love Sam yeah. Jackson. And yeah, I think that it, I like that better than, you know, like the. Tom Holland or Mark Ruffalo spoiler interviews yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just like, if we're, if we're going to go th- down this route, might as well let Sam Jackson just do his thing. <laughs> just honestly, just let, let him be Sam Jackson in interviews. And it's great. Like I, I love, I, I didn't watch a lot of press interviews for infinity war, but for captain Marvel, I definitely did because, you know, there was a lot of controversy around it and I, I, honestly just love Brie Larson um, as a person I like her and I've been following her acting career since United States of Terra so I was really excited to to see and then having her with Sam Jackson and their obvious chemistry on and off screen was so great to see so Mm -hmm.
2: yeah. yeah yeah absolutely fuck the trolls let's see I have not started watching the new season of American Gods yet I need to but it's already gotten renewed for another season and apparently has also got a new showrunner for the third season. So it, they just seem to be having a rotating door of showrunners. Yeah, that's a, like, I'm concerned about that. I'm, I'm
0: like, has the review, has
2: anybody like have reviews started to hit for season
0: two yet? Because I'd be curious
2: to see like how
0: it's tracking
2: that way. Yeah, I haven't seen much chatter uh, either way about season two. It's pretty close. Like I need to watch it. I might uh, end up watching it you know, when we finish uh, recording here. But yeah, so I don't know the first season was good enough, like that. I would like watch the second season if they hadn't, like there hadn't been so
0: much controversy in between the two seasons. Like now I'm kind of leery about it because of all the shit that we've heard. And I'm like, Oh man, that's not great sounding. Especially when like people aren't coming back and stuff. I'm like, Oh, like Jillian Anderson's yeah. not back. And I don't think, I don't think Crispin Glover's coming back. And I'm like, I don't know who's mm. still around. I've assumed the two leads. Like I assume I can't remember. Like shut the active place. Sh- Ricky Whittle. Is that a place? Yeah. Is that Ricky a place? Whittle. Shadow? Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, Ian McShane, and, like, yeah. I, I, I'm like, if they're not back, then like, what's the fucking points? So I assume they're
2: back, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I did see some chatter about, uh, the main reason or some of the stars were talking about the main reason that Brian Fuller and Michael Green left as showrunners were basically like, it wasn't anything creative. It's just that they wanted more money and stars wouldn't give it to yeah. them. And so that makes me feel a little bit better. Like it wasn't just like, oh, they wouldn't let us do what we wanted with the show is like, no, we were just fucking greedy and cared about that more than we cared about the creative vision of the show going forward. And <laughs> where is Fuller now?
0: Like he, the last I heard he was on that Ann rice, like he was on the vampire Chronicle show. I think you're right. Yeah. Because like he's, but he's jumped around a lot. Cause he like American gods, he was on discovery and it feels like, and this may just be me, but like, it feels like, cause I don't think he ever actually was actively on discovery while it was in production. I think he did pre-prod stuff and then never did was never yeah. on the show while it was on. But like the second season is much stronger than the first season of Discovery, so like maybe he just is not great at running shows and just keeps yeah, bouncing maybe around. He's just the idea guy or whatever. I guess because like I've never seen, he's I've never seen yeah. him actively do a show that he's stuck around on since like he did Hannibal. Yeah, like Hannibal, and even that
2: like they were they kept trying to cancel it on him. So like I don't know, man. Maybe he's just real hard to fucking work with. Yeah, looks like right now he's still working on that Vampire Chronicles TV adaptation. <laughs> They added another showrunner to that too, which like she had better credentials than he did.
0: So I, I'm hoping she's sticks around and like whatever he does, he can just do, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. When it comes
1: to the, the stuff that he like the properties that he manages and that he has more control over they, they tend to get, just get canceled on him. Like there is dead like me, yeah. wonder falls and pushing daisies, which were all good, great shows in their own, Right. Uh, Except for that dead like me, the movie. Oh God, we we don't we. Let's not talk about that. But like when he has creative control stuff, it always is like a critical darling and gets this weird cult following behind it. But it never really culminates into like mainstream success. And I think I think
0: Hannibal was just on the wrong network. Yeah, Hannibal totally needed to be like streaming or cable or something like that. Like putting it on broadcast, like it was—it was an interesting concept to see that on broadcast. And we discussed this when we did our Hannibal episode last year, or whenever that was. Yeah, and it was weird to see it on a broadcast station because it is like super fucking dark and like yeah, super graphic. great cable esque kind of stuff. But like, yeah. yeah, that that show was like on the bubble from like the second it started. Yeah, But it feels like all his shows always are. And then he gets on shows that should be like, but my, I think why I kept like I'm hung up on it is because these are two shows in a row that should have been hundred percent slam dunks. like American God, like Neil Gaiman's American gods cable adaptation should have been a slam fucking dunk. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then, and the first season was, yeah. To be honest. Right. And it should have been a slam dunk and he should have been able to stick around on it. Like, I don't understand like if he's greedy and fine, but then the same thing with discovery where like that's easy, that's easy money running a mm-hmm. star Trek show, like easy fucking, money. I could write discovery. Anybody with any knowledge of the Star Trek universe could easily get in there and just like do what they need to do, and especially if you're as talented as somebody like him. To just be like, no, I'm bouncing again. I'm like, why don't you just finish something as opposed to like letting it get canceled or fucking <laughs> off halfway through it?
2: Oh, uh, so. I mean, there's also, there's always that, you know, flaky creative stereotype kind of thing that maybe <laughs> I guess maybe he's the reason that stereotype exists. It's entirely possible. Yeah, it's so. true. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a much shittier Brian. Brian singer has finally been permanently dropped from that red Sonya movie that's been in development for ages. Thank God
0: decision-making
2: finally uh, on somebody's yeah. part.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that might be the end of him too. Like it sounds like he's gotten kind of, he's finally yeah. got the black mark on him. So
2: yeah. Fuck him. Cancel him. There's been so much shit going around him for years and years now that I'm perfectly happy to never have him work ever again. Yep. Just like, yeah. I'll just,
0: I'll, always see him as in that cameo spot. He had no star Trek movies and that's about it. So yeah.
2: in a uh, sort of newer director news, this is a weird one. Are you, have either of you ever see Terry Gilliam's movie time bandits?
0: Yep. Back in the day. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's
2: a weird oh, yeah. fucking movie yeah. uh, with a cast, with a cast of time traveling midgets. Or small people, let's say. It's one of those movies that,
0: as we get more and more granular on this show, I'm like, we should start covering some of that weird old sci-fi <laughs> shit. And I'm like, that's a movie. I'm like, we should totally watch and
2: review that, just like to just oh, to say.
0: Terry Gilliam. there's some weird shit in there that would be fun to talk about. I
2: think in 2019. So yeah, Terry Gilliam's such a fucking character.
0: Yeah, man. like I, I yeah.
2: love some of his stuff, but he's just such a. He's turned into such just a grumpy old curmudgeon in his oh, old age kind of thing. Him, and I mean, That's I why understand I why, because he's gotten fucked over so many times by Hollywood and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, yeah, I still, I, like, there's,
0: there's two like canceled movies that like always kind of attract my attention. And like one of them is, uh, Don Quixote. No, 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 not that. Not at all. Shit. What was I going to say? You just ruined it for me. Thank you. But Terry Gilliam's Watchmen. <laughs> what I'm here with for the other one. Oh, sorry. George Miller's uh, Justice League. Oh, yeah. Happen. And then the uh, Terry Gilliam wanted to do Watchmen for like ages. Yeah. And I'm like, those are two movies that I'm like, I don't know how any of that would have worked, but I'm so fucking curious to see <laughs> how Terry Gilliam would have handled Watchmen and how George Miller would have fucking yeah. handled
2: Justice yeah. League. Because after Mad Max, I'm like, that shit would have <laughs> been. After Fury Road. Mind blowing <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, that, uh, yeah, so Time Bandits is getting a TV series that Apple is developing, and Taika Waititi has come on board to, I believe, showrun it? I thought he was doing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Oh, wait, never mind. No, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, he's also doing, I think, at least one episode of The Mandalorian, the live-action Star Wars series as well. So I don't know what degree of uh, sort of, um, involvement he's going to have in this but that match like that makes sense to me you know, know. taiko atiti working on something that's formerly a terry gilliam creation so yeah i could uh, mm-hmm. i could see how that would track pretty closely yeah th- those yeah. brands of insanity just... are close enough to each other yeah that,
0: that works They're, they, they think they speak the same language of crazy so that kind of works out <laughs> real well for them making an entire tv series <laughs> around it is
1: i i'm curious yeah. as hell like i i will i, I mean, will watch sliders that. you know what Absolutely. i mean like sliders lasted for like
0: a million years so like it's basically the same premise <laughs> let's do this uh, thing.
2: Just yeah. without jerry o'connell we could do without jerry o'connell this time you know oh, or like when those later yeah. seasons where jerry o'connell wasn't there and it was his brother except oh, it was like that's right some, uh, some fucking merged character that was both him and his brother like yeah. got slid together yeah, into infused or some shit. <laughs> that f- oh God. That show,
0: man. I remember that watching
2: show jump the shark after like a season, a and, season a half. and a
0: half. Yeah. I remember watching yeah. it. Cause it was like the, I think it was the lead into X-Files when the X-Files was on its original Friday night run, like way back mm-hmm. in like the early nineties. Yeah. I think it was the lead into X-Files back then. I remember watching it like in like getting ready to watch X-Files and just being like, Man, this shows crazy the one girl's super cute <laughs> yeah. and like i don't like jerry o'connell particularly but like the show's kind of weird and it's, it was fun and then it got like yeah and it got insane yeah, i was like i can't watch this anymore just give me can we just get to malder and scully already
2: yeah when it when it was uh what rembrandt the the black like lounge singer character was like the main guy for a while it's <sighs> yeah. like
0: what the fuck are you what's doing it, what's <laughs> his name in that too john Reese davies is in that show for a long
2: time yep. too right yep. like he's he in there for a
0: fucking like
2: almost like yeah. like half the show or something like that he's on there for a long time. even in the later seasons like it it flirted with greatness a couple times yeah. but there was so much just oh, it was it was to- it was total stuff.
0: like uh b sci-fi like 90s sci-fi mm-hmm. i think b is being generous mark <laughs> i look I at it i look at it like down. like in the same tier as like early stargate or like well, i'm sure some stargate fans are gonna like fringe. jump down my fucking throat. islander islander right? yep I was gonna say that Cielo. I was gonna say Xena, hunter Xena. Like I, I was thinking Zena, Zena, and uh, yeah. Hercules. Like, those shows. I was thinking about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so.
2: and like I, yeah, I think I think Fringe is gonna end up falling into that sort of category eventually too. I liked Fringe, but
0: like it, it jumped out, it jumped the shark pretty hard at the end though. But like, kudos mm-hmm. to them for like just delivering a bunch of good Leonard Nimoy acting around that middle mm-hmm. of the kind of run of the show. So. Remember when they brought
2: him in? I was like, "Oh, thank like just." I was his like last great role. Yeah, well,
0: it was his last like non Spock role. So yeah,
2: yeah. Let's see. We got a full Aladdin trailer that looks less insane, but still, looks, still not. Looks, uh... I thought it looked cheap.
0: Did anybody else feel like it looked cheap? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it
1: it looked. I, I think I mentioned this before. It looks like the like the preview video for like a. a Theme park attraction, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's just like that's the quality It looks definitely looks better in this latest trailer. Like it looks like this trailer was damage control from the monstrosity that was the first one with blue Ge- <laughs> blue Will Smith genie, but yeah. like it's just, I, it just uh, like a tech demo. They're just rushing out these. Yeah. yeah, they're rushing out these live action Disney properties so fast. I Dumbo's coming out Aww. soon. Like Yeah, kind of that's, that's the
0: Tim Burton one, right? Like that I'm kinda curious about just because yeah. like yeah. Latter day Tim Burton and like doing a mainstream Disney movie, I'm like, this is gonna this is gonna turn into a fiasco. I feel like that movie's gonna come out yeah. and be horrific and people are gonna take their kids to see it <laughs> and then freak the fuck out. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's,
1: yeah, I don't know what, like, they've got that on the docket, they've got the Lion King coming out, and they've got Aladdin. Uh, and I know that Mulan is in production, because they chose the actress to play Mulan. So they've got a yeah. lot of these, like, they know that nostalgia sells. So they're going to be releasing, there's going to be more of these, just you're up for it, guys. And I'm probably going to see a lot of them, because that's,
0: that's, I, I'm very Disney centric. The only one I've watched so far is, I think we've talked about it on the show, is Maleficent. Like I watched that yeah. Angelina Jolie movie. That was hot garbage. Um, but I've had no interest. <laughs> yeah, but I, wa- I liked it because it was garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like fun garbage. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of here for that. Plus like, I love Angelina Jolie. Like I know everybody kind of hates her, but I just think she's yeah. great. So I'm like, that's fine. And like she's vamping it up and having mm-hmm. a class playing that role, obviously. So I was like, I'm kind of yeah. into it for this reason. Just kind of, you don't often see Angelina Jolie in a movie. First of all, you don't see her in a lot of movies yeah. anymore, period. And second of all, you don't ever see her in a movie where it seems like she's actually enjoying yeah, what <laughs> yeah. she's doing. So, like, her just chomping at the scenery. I was like, all right, she's having fun. So good on her. She something
2: fun and that's not just you know super dramatic yeah. or something. Yeah, like yeah.
0: Like it was, it was cool to see her doing something that looked like she was engaged with the material and like just kind of having fun, bombing around like in these big costumes and doing this huge operatic yeah. performance and stuff. I was like, oh.
1: Yeah, regardless, regardless of yeah. the uh the quality of these live action remakes, which have like ebbed and flowed quite significantly. Like, I mean, <laughs> Cinderella, the Cinderella one was—I always forget they made yeah, that
0: one. Like, it's it, it so never mm-hmm. comes it's back so bland, so and the only reason yeah.
1: to watch it is Helena Bottom Carter as the fairy godmother for like ten minutes, and then the yeah, live action have... Jungle Book I enjoyed. <laughs> there was yes yeah,
0: it's the, the only one i've seen that's john favreau right that, yeah see, that one piques my interest because he's like i like his technical skills as a filmmaker so yeah be interesting to watch but. and
1: the beauty and the beast remake was not a good thing but it made a shit ton of money uh so <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm hesitant i'm hoping that the aladdin remake is better than the trailer makes it
0: appear because it really doesn't look great, but... Yeah, I just wish it didn't look like a PS3 trailer. Like, yeah. it looks like bad CG. And uh. It looks like, Viz, like pre-release stuff for, like, last-gen consoles. Like, it doesn't even look like this stuff you get. Look look up, a, like, a, a Viz trailer for, like, Horizon Zero Dawn or God of War or Resident Evil in the last couple months and just be like, wow, this CG is really good. Like, they build nice models and, like, this stuff looks great. And then you see this fucking Aladdin trailer and you're like why is this stuff that I'm getting on a PS4 game look better than this?
2: It's a, <laughs> Disney a movie. A, a Ma- it looks like a Mass Effect Andromeda movie compared to like an MCU yeah, movie yeah. or something. Or it's really like weird.
0: That. Like, it's so fucking strange. <laughs> and I'm like, why, why is Disney like who can create amazing special effects? Just outputting hot garbage when they have like, Lucasfilm and the Marvel guys putting out like insane special effects. You should be able to siphon off. Yeah, when they've got ILM. Yeah, under you should their, be able to at least siphon off talent and to work on this other stuff. Like, you're not going to take those studios and, like, no, we're going to take the Marvel guys yeah. and, like, just make them work, make Disney shit. But there's got to be enough people trained by that group to be like, let's move some of these VFX guys over to this project and make it look as good as these projects do. Because those Star Wars movies, regardless of what you think about the last two Star Wars movies, look great. They look no, amazing. They look great. And yeah. sort of the Marvel movies, but this stuff, I'm like, what the fuck? PS3 cutscenes.
1: Yeah, it's a weird strategy because, like, a lot of the the reason that people are going to see these movies is that nostalgia. Like the the parents want the millennial parents want to take their kids to see these movies because they're remakes of the mm. the Bronze Age Disney Renaissance after the Little Mermaid, right? Uh-huh. And so if we yeah. Don't want to see them because they look like shit like these people who are our age, but decided to breed uh, yeah. are probably not going to want to take their kids there because they're <laughs> going to be like, oh, why don't not just watch the animated version on Netflix yeah.
0: or whatever." at that point, though, it might just be like getting your kids to shut the fuck up again. We are three single. Well, not single. I should say Tim's married. So like there's not whatever. But like we are three childless <laughs> white men. Right. Yeah. And like most, like, I don't know what Tim's actual yeah. feelings on the whole thing are, but like, I'm pretty much like not having kids. And I know Paul's kind of like not having kids. So probably not. Probably not. So like, we're kind of in that space where we're like, oh, fuck, I don't need to have any of this shit sold to me via my kids. So like, this does nothing for yeah, me. Yeah. It just looks yeah. like early gen PS3 cutscene graphics to me. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, t- two more pieces of news. I think I'm just going to stop bringing up the Disney live action stuff because we always end up just well, it's, They're so box. dumb, I don't understand so why box. they're even doing that I'm like, I don't even know why I comment Case, I in
0: point. Case in point I should by all rights just shut up because I don't care, I'm never going to watch any of them but, Like, But <laughs> I watch the trailers and you guys bring them up and I'm like, they look fucking stupid I don't know why anybody's watching these I don't even know why we're talking about them so I'm going to say how dumb they look Sorry, I did it again did it again <laughs> <laughs> All right, Woo! here's a bit of Christie news. Christy- yeah,
2: so we're starting to get our first looks at the uh, Niantic Harry Potter.
0: Oh, that big like AR game, yeah, AR game Pokemon now Go for Harry Potter.
2: Yeah, Harry Potter Wizards Unite us, and it seems to be generating quite a bit of buzz. And it'll be interesting to see if it like has the same sort of craze as as Pokemon Go did, and for some people still does. There was a but,
0: Ghostbusters one that came out like yeah. six months ago? I completely ignored. So. I don't know. I I should go look at that one. But I've heard about the Harry Potter one. It keeps coming up in like the Kotaku circles and nobody's super hyped about it. But I assume it's going to like hit hard when it does hit. Because I think like the... I feel like the Harry Potter fan base will come out in droves for it. And if it plays shitty like Pokemon Go kind of like didn't really keep you engaged, then it'll fall off the same way Pokemon Go did. But if they've got content, it could go well. It's hard to say. You know, as an active Pokemon Go player,
1: like it's... (laughs) I don't know, like Niantic has... They make questionable choices because they're, they're not game designers. They're, they are like... They're, they're app developers. Um, data. Yeah, they're app developers. They're, they're big data specialists. Yeah. Like the reason that Pokemon Go exists is to, you know, track data and make money. It's not really to have a good gaming experience. And if you... It's definitely a better gaming experience than it was when I first started at launch. Yeah. But could I say that... Like, the reason that I play it is more because it has, I, I came back to it because of the integration with Pokemon Let's Go on the Switch. Yeah. So I didn't, I, like, and I continue mm. to play it because, like, I got back into it. And it's like, I'm going on a raid with my raid group today after I go to the gym. So, like, I think that they have a better basis now to launch a game on top of the the recent successes of Pokemon go, but I still don't think it's going to be particularly fun. (laughs) I just really don't like, uh, given what Pokemon go has that built in Pokemon got to catch them all mechanic. And I don't see that for Harry Potter. I don't really know what the, the draw is other than like being a wizard for a little while. And then I, like I, I see that being like a, a day's experiment for me. And
0: then I just know, I, I need to know what the yeah. gameplay loop is yeah. for like, cause I understand the Pokemon gameplay loop. It's not, that's not for me, but I understand like they got to catch them all, like go out and hunt stuff. I don't understand how you apply this mm-hmm. to the Harry Potter world. Like I understand, like when they said the Ghostbusters one was happening, I'm like, I get it. You go and hunt
2: ghosts. Cute. Fun. Right. But like, this i'm like i don't what are you you always hunting a snitch like i don't know
0: what's happening here
2: well the the gameplay footage is you go out and you uh encounter a a death eater that you then have to battle and cast spells against or it's one of the guys in the death eater mass anyways and so like you have to like a a little thing on will come up on the screen and say you need to move your wand this way and then you swipe following that pattern in order to cast a spell against them or whatever and how good you follow the pattern determines like how much damage you do and but like does, so the death eater appears on like a map of the real world and you have to go to this
0: location the same way as like pokemon and like fight the death eater or is it just pop assumedly, up? assumedly yeah oh that's okay. interesting
1: it's kind of like you know constantly suppressing nazi wizards forever instead of catching cute monsters okay <laughs> okay yeah. it's like uh, wizard antifa okay yeah <laughs> <I> <laughs> Cool. guess all
0: right yeah. well yeah. sure that's gonna appeal to somebody i guess i mean yeah I feel like it would appeal more to, like, a console kind of, like, massive online kind of thing, though. It doesn't feel like, an on, like a real-life game. It feels like the kind of thing you'd be like, go grind, become powerful enough, and then when they attack, then you're, like... I feel like there's a video game loop in there you could make Well, that would work maybe not, like, this way. I don't know. It don't feels
1: know, like whatever. there needs to be an, ar- an <laughs> arching story because Pokemon Go doesn't have a storyline. It has, you know... Mm. constant events it's not like it's not like final fantasy 14 or world of warcraft where you like play through campaigns yeah so like but with harry potter it's a narratively driven universe so why is it like i don't know are they going to integrate a story into it it's that's just a weird sell to me and i like i am a harry potter fan and I'm, I'm, and a Pokemon go fan and I'm not sold at all. So like as someone who should be, yeah, should to... <laughs> be in the target demographic, this, oh, I
0: don't know, man, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. See, that's <laughs> interesting too. Cause you are like exactly the, like the people that they are trying to get into this kind of thing. And you, you're looking yeah. confused. Yeah. Which is interesting because wasn't this game come out soon? Like, shouldn't we know what's going on with this by now?
2: Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. My last bit of news is Mark news. There's a guy apparently that is trying to remaster oh. uh, D Space Nine with machine learning. I saw
0: this this week. I actually saw the footage too. <laughs> it looks
2: pretty good for like what it is. Yeah, I because <sighs> because well because uh, next generation and uh, original Trek have both got HD uh, blu-ray remasters and even in in both series they also like went back and redid some of the effect shots and stuff like that to look a lot better so but i don't think ds9 I, well the idea here is ds9 doesn't have the same yeah. fan base and so it would probably never get one released by paramount or whoever the fuck owns the rights to it now <laughs> i don't even think
0: cbs technically but i'm not really sure because of like the way that yeah that split's really weird and like i i actually went and read an article about like how the star trek split worked and i was like oh i get it And then it disappeared from my brain. And I'm like, I don't, I still don't understand it. Cause it it was a really weird deal they made to like split the movies off. So that Paramount could keep making the movies. And then CBS somehow ended up with the series, but like CBS actually owns the property as a whole and is licensing out the movies, I think to Paramount. And that's why that situation Mm. is kind of gone the way it has where those movies are functionally dead now, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, D space nine is one of those shows that like the fan base loves. And like, we are all clamoring for a remaster that we know is never going to happen because like, the the rumor going around is the TNG box sets didn't sell anywhere near what would have required even to break even on them. I never even bought yeah. them. Like, they dumped them on Netflix pretty fast. So, like you can just go watch the remasters out there now, as opposed to like mm. having to go buy these like exorbitantly expensive blue like those Blu-ray box sets were like 150 bucks per season.
2: Yeah, each when they season, in, which yeah, is like yeah. pretty much
0: the price those things were on DVD when they first released the TNG DVDs, which I never bought because again, I'm not paying. One hundred fifty bucks for shit I can download and watch, like it's just not going to happen.
2: Or for shit that's just, yeah, that's on constant fucking reruns. It's also in like, the good thing. It's like every you can like, just three, devo like, it. <laughs> out
0: of the three streaming services I subscribe to, two of them have complete runs of all five series of Star Trek. And like it's like Netflix and Crave both have the entire run of the series. The problem is like the movies kind of are in limbo right now. I'm not sure why that is, but but yeah, you can get mm-hmm. the entire series of all the Star Treks. So like if you go on Crave right now, every Star Trek is there, including Discovery. So I'm like, well, and like even the animated series is on there, which like I've watched once and will never watch again, but I've seen it. So I don't know, like it's. I remember what we were talking about. (laughs) Now we're
2: talking about the DS9.
0: Oh, the DS9 remaster. remaster. So So, like, I just don't think it's ever gonna happen. I would love
2: to see it remastered because, God, some of those ship battles
0: and shit will look great in like 16 by 9 high def,
2: but. Well, just the space station itself would look yeah. pretty cool in HD and the wormhole effects. and that Yeah. Kind of
0: so, like, it is a show that, like, I think would be cool to see that, like, that remaster happen. And, like, they shot it all on film. So, like, the actual footage exists in a, in a format that you could port over to HDR 4K kind of thing and not have a problem with it if you wanted to because it was shot on 35 millimeter. It's just remastering and then re-rendering all the effect shots. That's when it starts yeah. to be like, is it worth it? And I'm like, I would totally love to, like, find some way to fucking fan do it and, like, hire me and a team of people to do the CGI replacement shots because it would be fun to rebuild those ships, first of all. And second of all, just getting a chance to kind of see Deep Space Nine in like a modern format would be really nice because like I was, I actually, when I saw this news, I went back and watched a couple episodes and I'm like, yeah, they've aged, like the the technology obviously is not there to like make it look good on a modern screen and
2: stuff. So yeah,
0: it kind of sucks that all that storytelling is lost behind like
2: murky 90s VHS editing and stuff. So. Yeah, there's only so much that uh, up converting can do. Yeah, like you, there's only so <laughs> yeah. hard you
0: can go until you have to go back to the masters and rescan. But unfortunately, like I don't think I Enterprise was shot in HD, so you might get a Blu-ray dump of that at some point. But the the other two, the two middle like kind of stepchild children of uh, Voyager and so DS9. Voyager and D- Space Nine are probably never going to see that um, bump up to HD. Yeah. which is sad because there's a lot of cool stuff in both shows that it would be nice to have high def copies of, but. Did you just praise Voyager? No, I, as, did, it's, you, it's, did I just hear more a like, positive statement a, about Voyager? It might be more what? of like a completionist thing where like if I was going to have one of them done in HD, I I feel like I can't be like the guy who's like, no, I want Deep Space Nine and I don't care what happens to Voyager if it, if it gets remastered. I feel like they should both, get, they should I don't both know. get remastered. Now, do I want them done chronologically so that I get Deep Space first? You're fucking goddamn right. Yes, I would prefer to have Deep Space over Voyager. Yeah. And like I would probably only do... <laughs> Like a hit greatest hits watch of any of the bonus, like remastered stuff of Voyager. but like, oh, I'm gonna go watch the Borg episodes or whatever to see how it looks all cleaned up. But like, I'm not rewatching that show ever. Like, there's never happening. So, ever. <laughs> ever. I'll rewatch Enterprise <laughs> again before I rewatch Voyager. So, <gasps> yeah. All right. Just, just, that... just. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that was all the news that I had, unless you guys have anything to add. No, I don't know how we just spent an hour on news, but that's fine. That's good. Let's do this. Well, we we we, we tangented quite a few times in there. Well, I didn't think this episode was
0: gonna be super long. I thought we'd have to like bring the juice for the news. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right, all right. Uh, if we don't have any more news, then let's move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week, which is where we discuss the nerdiest things each of us has done in the past week or so. So let's go to Paul first, since Paul was not on last week. Oh, no, you now, yeah, you were. Last week was Captain Marvel. Never mind. We're going to, yeah. we'll go to Paul anyways, though.
1: So, new school year has started in South Korea. And so, there, and I had a, a home renovation happening all at the same time. And so, I didn't, I didn't have access to a lot of my stuff. So, my saving geek grace really was Pokemon Go this past week. It's been like, I've said before that I've been in and out of Pokemon Go, but I've been trying to finish up my various Pokedexes, and they've been re-releasing some of the Generation 3 legendaries in raid battles the past couple months. And so this weekend is the big Rayquaza relaunch weekend, so that's what I'm going to raid for today. And the past week has been just like, you know, it's been nice to have that around when I didn't have access to my other video games. I was really looking forward to doing all the post-game stuff for Kingdom Hearts 3, which I'm Now just getting back into, but this week was mostly just getting back into Pokemon Go again.
2: Nice. Yeah, I've got the... I think I've got... What what were the other Gen 3 legendaries? Kyogre was one. Yeah, Kyogre, Groudon,
1: Latias and Latios and the the reggies reggie rock reggie ice and reggie steel
2: i yeah i got all of those except for the reggies i i sort of dropped off rating when those ones uh dropped but i've got all the other ones so yeah from back from the first time they came out yeah they're part of the weekly research
1: breakthroughs now so you have a chance of catching them if you do a daily oh cool yeah kind of thing at the end of the week you can get a chance to catch them so that'd be uh, although they the legendary dogs are still part of that, and a lot of people are getting pissed off about. Yeah, I got plenty hitting. of those. Yeah, so <laughs> I started again. I think it was the Larvitar Community Day where they had j- they were still in the Reggie raid circuit, mm-hmm. but people had already gotten bored of it, so yeah. I didn't get a chance to catch any of them. And so I got back on when they started doing they re released Mewtwo, oh, so. Yeah. I yeah, did get my
2: Mew. I did get my Mew a couple weeks ago
1: finally. Oh nice. Yeah, so that was Did nice. you end up starting your Celebi quest and all that
0: stuff?
2: Like did you do all the other le- No, I'm still I need to evolve a Sunkern mm. or Gloom. I need to use like whatever that evolution item is. There's two legendary or two quests or special quests or whatever I think that I still have, which is I uh, open up my phone right now. I Still have to do yeah, I'm stuck on uh the third stage of a ripple in time, and I'm mm-hmm. stuck on the fifth stage of Let's Go Meltan, which is I need to evolve a Grimer. I actually think I have enough candy for that, so I could do that one.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm still on the Meltan quest too. I have to evolve a Scyther, but and I used to and I had just evolved a, a perfect one recently and then kind of pissed that I didn't oh, yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, it's the, those quests are fun. I wish that uh, they would focus more on that. They've got a new event coming out for the spring equinox, wh- which is a grass event, which is a perfect time for you to start evolving glooms and or sun because yeah. like uh, in two days, there's going to start an event.
2: Yeah, but, I think I only need like two more candies to uh, evolve a sun kern, So it's my walking buddy right now. Ah, uh, Nice. Mark, uh, I swear yeah. we're still talking English.
0: Oh, I understand what you're talking about. I just don't like I don't play Pokemon Go and never will. So I just (laughs) as opposed to getting on here and like rambling like I did through the Disney stuff, I'm just going to like hang up. (laughs) Well, in that case, how about you tell us what your geek of the week was, Mark? Well, just means now I could talk about a video game that neither of you have played because I yep. <laughs> have been playing a bunch of stuff. Obviously, like I've been off work and stuff. So like my video game backlog is like I decided to like just start stripping it away because it was getting pretty embarrassing. By replaying games you've already played several well, times. It's the more a beating a game. Well, there's like doing the Breath of the Wild thing was a special, you know. Like I just had the time and we were gonna do the episode, so I decided to do that. But it did kind of inspire <laughs> me to be like, I never beat like a hundred percent at God of War. So, I was like, I'm going to start it from scratch, delete my save file, start from the top, and just rip through it. And so, that's basically what I did this week when I wasn't like applying for jobs or going for interviews is like, come home and just like beat Nordic God ass because fuck those guys. They're all shitty people. Deserte beaten up by a really, really, really grouchy Spartan who just happens <laughs> to be in town with his boy. And he says, boy, a lot. Boy, constantly, boy.
1: <laughs> that. That has become a meme in the gay community. The gay oh,
0: is it? Is community. it like
1: it's really I, latched on to uh, Daddy Kratos? Oh, I'm Daddy sure. Kratos was. I, I was gonna. I,
0: <laughs> I had a feeling that like Dad Kratos was gonna be like, I know, because I had seen enough like girls thirsting after Dad Bod Kratos, which I mean, Dad Body still built like a fucking like Mac truck. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Dad Bod like the man's got like a twelve pack. Like he's so fucking cut. But yeah, I mean, he's like a, he's a Spartan, Greek god. So yeah, it makes sense that he's you know completely really, the most creepy. idealized human like of all time yeah. but yeah I could see how the, the gay community would latch on to bearded daddy Kratos just boy <laughs> be better boy it's just all this shit all the time I could see how you would latch on to that <laughs> like, I was halfway through the game and I'm like oh my god Some, I wonder if somebody's done a super cut up all the times he said boy I'm like of course it exists on YouTube and it's like 300,000 separate instances of him saying boy it's insanity but the game's amazing the story's really good I had a real blast playing it. Like I I think initially my problem was like the combat so different from what the classic God of War was that I was like, this is real slow and I'm not having as much fun as I was before. Plus like my life being chaos, like I would just go weeks without playing it. So when I'd go back, I just get my fucking shit stomped in and just be like, well, <laughs> this isn't any fun. This is a real hard game too. But I, I finally had the time to sit down and play it and like get in there and you know, level my Kratos properly because there's a bunch of RPG mechanics that didn't exist in the old games. And I was like, wow, this is, there's a lot of involved shit going on here that I was not expecting, I guess, when I first booted up. Mm -hmm. Um, But this time I, like, I tore through it. I had a real blast. All the characters are like, it's really well written. Just the character interactions between like Kratos and the boy and like the head that you carry around on your belt. that's constantly commenting on everything going around. And like, there's a scene (laughs) about halfway through and the two dwarves also are like just fucking hysterically funny, and there's a scene about halfway through, and I don't like Paul said he's gonna play it, so I don't want to spoil it for him. Where you get, you get a specific thing that just like completely changes the tone of the game, and I was like, I'd never gotten to that point in the game before. It's about halfway through, so I just like had never gotten there, and once I got there, I'm like, oh shit, I am a hundred percent in, and they just started introducing like there's also there's a second set of bosses that are valkyries so you have to fight eight valkyries and then fight the ninth which is the valkyrie queen and they are like you don't have to play them to play through the normal game they're just crushingly hard extra bosses to do it's like a like a, a side quest to do and they beat the shit out of you and you got to get good real <laughs> fucking fast so it was basically like a week of i'm just going to slog through all eight valkyries and then i'm going to go take on the queen And I think part of the reason why I was having like a weird sleep thing, because I was getting into that like getting ready to get to the queen thing, I did the fight a couple times and just got stomped and was like, I need to go level up. I gotta go do the thing I hate doing in video games the most, which is grind to level up so that I can take this fucking thing on. But I did it, and I went back, and she beat my ass again. (laughs) And I was like, well... (laughs) I just got to get good I guess and I just sat there for like two hours in the middle of the night and just did the fight over and over again just chipping away at her just like oh I think I got it I think I've got it and finally like the little R3 prompt comes up that means like you beat her so it means you get to do the finishing move because like everything gets like a stun meter and then you kind of get an R3 prompt This means click and you're just going to rip them a fucking part like whatever you're fighting and uh, when you get that R3 prompt on the Valkyries he just knocks them over rips their wings off and when I got that on the last one, I was like, 100%, game's done, walking away, just walking away. Because <laughs> I even had, Paul, Paul and I, were, I was bitching at Paul, because I would just about to 100% it, I was just about to get the platinum for it, which I did get. I have a glitched thing that is not letting me get 100% on the map, but like it doesn't count for oh, the platinum, no. so I can't get this last like piece of lore to get 100%. But thankfully, it didn't fuck up my Platinum. So I did get the Platinum on the PlayStation Network. So that was pretty cool. I wasn't expecting to do that either. I was like, oh, it's not tied to difficulty. Because I did not play this on hard. It was like, I'm doing normal. And if I get really beat up, I'm cranking down to easy. Like, I'm doing this the, the weakling's way. Because, who this game's rough. But well worth it. Well worth it. <laughs> so if you haven't played God of War, it's been out for a year. I would totally recommend. If you have the, if you have the means,
2: get in there and try it out. Nice. Okay. All right. So my geek of the week, I, let's see, I think I'm going to say I started reading planetary spoilers for what will probably be next week's episode. So the Wildstorm series by Warren Ellis and John Cass. I'm not going to go too much into my impressions of it because I'm trying to keep Mark in suspense as to whether I enjoyed it or not. I'm only like five issues in so far, uh, but uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty, con- pretty easy read. Pretty can like you can burn yeah. through those issues pretty quickly. So I don't think I'll have any trouble getting through them b- before next week. So that uh, if if any of our listeners want to read along for the first time or go back and reread it before we talk about it next yeah. week, then uh, now you know what we'll probably be covering. So uh, it's been interesting, I'll say, at the very least, to get into something that is one my not my normal method of consuming comics because I'm reading it in the DC universe app. Cause all those uh, issues are on there. I will say the DC universe app has been super smooth for reading yeah. issues uh, and even like downloaded issues. Cause I was reading a lot of them on planes and they still worked just seamlessly well, like especially considering to my experiences with the early iterations of the Marvel unlimited app, which was kind of a shit show.
0: Still is actually one of the unfortunate side things about Marvel unlimited is that like, it doesn't, maybe it's just where I'm using it. Like, I use it on my iPad, which is an older iPad, but it does not like to load all the time. And, like, it likes to log me out. And it's, it's real fucking fit. Yeah. So I was curious to see how your reading it on that DC app would work out. Because, like, I love Marvel Unlimited for what it should be. But, like, what it yeah. is is still pretty fucking lackluster in a lot of ways. So, like, just in terms yeah. of like usability and stuff. But
2: that's cool that DC yeah. Universe is working out that way. I'm glad that
0: it's on there too. That's kind of cool that they got yeah. stuff. Like, it's not just like, all batman superman stuff like we've also like they put stuff that they own that's not just wild, storm like, and... wild storm and vertigo and yeah, vertigo yeah like that's cool that they've done that too um yeah yeah i'm actually excited because like what i was going to talk about it at the end of the episode so that people could reread or like read ahead of time if they wanted to but like yeah it's like we were probably going
2: to cover planetary in the next couple weeks
0: kind of a uh, new dance robot dance like we can kind of do this kind of stuff now where we can get people to read stuff so yeah where we I,
2: have time to yeah we to have reading. time to commit to short reading. runs and that kind of thing yeah and <laughs> watching
0: watching like longer form stuff and like reviewing it a little bit faster and all that kind of stuff yeah it's not yeah
2: so yeah so but yeah it's been i mean it's definitely a different take that on the, the superhero genre than my normal format of comics is too so it's uh yeah we'll talk about that later yeah
0: i'm excited to talk about it because like it's one of my favorite books so I, i've been it's it's like twofold between like I just want to talk about it because I love Planetary and like Warren Ellis stuff, and it's something Paul and I have always been mutual fans of. And it's also yeah. just like me kind of like not so subtly throwing shade at Tim and getting him to read something that's not just <laughs> straight DC bullshit. And like that's yeah, it's slow but sure. Like it's Wildstorm. Like eventually it ties in, but like nah. just like let's let's read something else for a little while. But yeah,
2: well, I never read some Wildstorm because uh, DC yeah. owns all those characters now. And yeah, so, uh, but. All right. Well, with that, let's move on to our meat of the episode. Ranked musical meat. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, we're going to do a music episode this week. And because Mark and I did our what? We're up to like 25 on our best albums of all favorite albums of all time list. Yeah. Uh, but Paul's a little bit behind us. He, I think, is only at number 20 on his ranking list so far. So we figured that this we would give Paul a chance to uh, catch up to us so that you know going forward when we do these we can all be at the same point. So we're going to go through Paul's twenty fifth to twenty first favorite all time albums. Should we do Should we do a quick recap before we get to, uh, into the into the good stuff, into the new stuff? Yeah. Yeah, Paul, do you want to do you want to quickly burn through? You know, remind all of our listeners what your top twenty were. Sure. Starting from twenty, I
1: have a Lou Reed's Transformer. Franz Ferdinand's self-titled Franz Ferdinand, Kate Bush, Hounds of Love, MIA's Kala, Sunset Rubdown's Dragon Slayer, Perfume Genius's Too Bright, Robin's Body Talk, Sarah Sleen's Night Bugs of Montreal's Hissing Fauna, Are You the Destroyer, Joanna Newsom's Divers, Aaliyah's self-titled Aaliyah, The Knife Silent Shout, Vampire Weekend's Modern Vampires of the City, Yeah Yeah, yeah Yeah's Fever to Tell, Wolf Parade's Apologies to the Queen Mary, Fiona Apple's The Idler Wheel, Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, Bjork's Homogenic, Neutral Milk Hotels in the Airplane Over the Sea, and number one of all time, forever, Joanna Newsom's. Jesus.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and all right. <laughs> I agree with all of that. <laughs> all right. So without further ado, uh, starting at number 25, Paul, give us your number 25 album. My number 25 album is Burial's
1: Untrue. This is an album that was released in 2007. It is Burial's second album. It is a dark and weirdly... This is dubstep before dubstep was associated with Skrillex. So it's like this kind of dark and spooky dance floor collage of an album. It is... What's interesting about it is that it's built off of pitch shifted vocals and samples from some pretty out there sources and not so out there sources, one of which is like Beyonce, like Beyonce is heavily sampled and pitch shifted on this album on one of the tracks. And it creates this really dark post apocalyptic, kind of different from the knife silent shout, which was a little bit more Blade Runnery. This is just way darker than that and it's one of those albums that i used to listen to while walking home at night and feeling very paranoid but just <laughs> enjoying <laughs> i can, I <laughs> that can see it. that <laughs> yeah it is it's one of those dance albums that is a sit and listen dance album and i just really really dig it so that was that's my number 25 did you guys
2: i did go back and listen to this one i'd never heard it before i th- i think i like burial was a name that I'd heard kicked around yeah. a few times but I'm not really into dubstep I'm into like some electronic but the electronic I like is usually usually more poppy or, or not even just that but like I have some like weirdo like really out there electronic and stuff but it's not usually this kind of like I'll say droning because like it is a pretty drony album overall <laughs> and I think that's kind of the point of it that's just not my thing when I'm looking for like I'm looking for something a little bit maybe like jazzier or upbeat or but I mean, I listened to this and I was like, yep, it's, it's an ambient album. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really get like, and yeah, it has some cool samples and shit. I don't, it, it apparently is amazingly rated, uh, like sort of across the board by all the big music websites out there. But I think it's just not my, not my type of ambient. Mm-hmm. Mark, what did you think? <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I'm kind of like, I listened to it a couple times. This is the one out of the, the five that I was like, oh, actually mm-hmm. I like this one the best that you gave us this time because we'll get into the white stripes. (laughs) We're going to have a conversation about the white stripes today, but like this one in particular, like it just kind of reminds me, I listen to a lot of like witch Mm -hmm. house and stuff like that when I'm working. So like it, it has like remember crosses, like the the Chino side project. I had a lot of lashes to that kind of like dark ambient kind of trip hop stuff that like Chino and those guys do when Mm -hmm. they're doing like team sleep or, um, like crosses and stuff like that. So that's kind of what it, it indicated. It also, had like, there's some MF Doom stuff. Like, some of the ideas that like barely uses are kind of the same like, mm-hmm. early MF Doom would draw on. And I was a big MF Doom fan when he started out doing his kind of alt rap weirdness. Like, he's like my favorite rapper right now because he's just <laughs> weird, like so mm-hmm. weird all the time. But so it kind of worked for me that way. um It's not obviously not my kind of thing. Like, I'm not, I like, guess, a production nerd it was cool to listen to because like, it's kind of fun to, it was know, like all it was the, produced you know, well where they're yeah. pulling the samples and what they're doing to them yeah it's really like well produced it's just not my not my crunchy guitar thing yeah right? so i was like all right cool like i get it's very much i'm like i understand paul <laughs> yeah this is the whole record, which they all very much are like these are all like i'm like oh yeah, yeah. this is paul I know this sound. This is a Paul sound.
1: <laughs> this particular album, it pings the same kind of thing that The Knife does, just in a more relaxed way. Like, there's something about the the way that they use pitch shifting on Silent Shout that is much poppier, first of all, and not as not create so much creating atmosphere as, like, building a song, whereas this is, because it's ambient, is much more atmospheric. And it's something that I can ignore in the background, but if I sit and focus on it, I'm kind of consistently wowed by the production of it. And there are these moments, it's like a constant, like, creeping sensation when I'm listening to it until we get to Shell of Light, which is, like, it very briefly switches into a minor key, and once it does, it's such a revelation. Shell of Light being my favorite song on the album, If like, it's weird to call uh, ambient albums and their songs songs when they kind of all drift into each other, and that's a fair criticism of the genre as a whole, I guess. Like, but at the same time, the each track on the album, draws specific samples and builds around them. And so I guess it's a little bit more on the poppy side in that regard than m- most other ambient albums and Archangel and uh, shell of light are my two favorites. And I, I can listen to both of those songs on repeat for ever. So it's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. If you asked me to like, you know, name a, or like you played one of the songs on this album and asked me to like, tell me, tell you what song it was. I'd be like, no, can't do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I was, I listened to it a couple times and was like, it's good. But like, I don't really know where anything begins and yeah. ends on mm-hmm. it. So there's that. Yeah. 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 Kind of like a Joanna Newsom.
2: <laughs> now, now Mark's just trolling.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm not taking the bait to each their own, to each their own. I'm Zen. It's fine.
2: I'm fine. Are you fine? I'm fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> Mark, or Paul, do you remember your first exposure to this album? How you first discovered it?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, I'm sure it was a Pitchfork recommendation. This was the best new music on Pitchfork. (laughs) This feels like a Pitchfork album.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. And this was around, yeah, this was my university time when I was just consuming new music, like new, I was in a new album a day kind of mode when I was uh, in in university where I was like, Mm. and I was like, upping my indie music cred as it were, because I was that kind of fucking asshole
0: when I was in university. Oh God, you were intolerable for like, I this was... whole four years. Like just <laughs> intolerable. Did
1: you hear about just... this new band that I did? B- yeah. B- 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 yeah. It's that like, was, oh, I could barely, bad.
0: I could barely. And that, that's my problem. Is like, I can't consume shit that fast where I'm like, I need to kind of live with records before I get into them. So like he, he was tossing stuff at me at such a rate that I'm like, I, can't, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> all the same. Fair. pitchfork droney shit. Like there's nothing here, blah, blah, blah. So I would listen to it and be like, man, there's just too much. Like, I can't accept all of this into my, like, music listening space. It doesn't work for me like that. But yeah. He, he was, it was, it was, a, there was a couple of years where, like, every, like, once a week, Paul was like, I got, like, three new albums you need to listen to. And I was like, all right. Calm your tits, man. Yeah. It was, <laughs> man, it was, it, there was a couple of times where I was like, Paul, could you please relax your balls a little bit? Because like, I can't. Yeah. This is like the fourth singer-songwriter girl you asked me to listen to and like, six or like oh, we got six we days. got one of those coming mm-hmm. up too
1: oh we should sure do
0: <laughs> yeah here we go that's i was trying to build a segue guys
1: thanks for ruining it <laughs> yeah. there you go yeah so shall we move on to our next yes. one which sure um, if it, you're ready number 24 is angel olsen's burn your fire for no witness this is her second full-length LP, came out in 2014. Angel Olsen is what we, I guess what we would call alt-country, but yeah. in a yeah. much, not in the, I guess kind of in the Nico case kind of way, but in a much more depressing, sad girl indie kind of way, which, you know, is very much my aesthetic. So, especially these days, because I've been, if I could remake my top 20 list, there would be a lot more Mitski on it, but it was... Fine. We're not going to go into that. No more, re- no revisionist history here. <laughs> uh, Burning fire for no witness. Not my first foray into Angel Olsen, but it was my big gateway into her stuff. I liked her first album, fine, but this one really made me a fan of hers. And it, arguably, her follow-up to this is is better rated and is more beloved by the community as a whole. But I have a very soft spot for this one, especially the first half of the album. Is I think amazing and there's just something about the quality of her voice that i adore i love listening to her sing and i could and i do it a lot because it's great yeah this uh, this album came out while i was when it, in my first year here in korea and it was kind of my companion for a while along with another album on this list so yeah really really good stuff
2: cool <laughs> yeah. yeah i like me some angel Olson. i I would say I'd like her follow up to this too my my woman uh, the 2016 album and she's kind of a singles artist for me like I've never this was my first time sitting down and listening to one of her whole albums all the way and uh mm-hmm. it definitely had some a good amount of variation to it like the she she's not you know the you know one of those people that's just writing the same song over and over again both in mm-hmm. terms of lyric content and in terms of uh, sort of tempo and musical style. I mean, it is it was all like a variation on that like indie or alt country kind of thing, but she stretches that in different directions on different tracks and kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, yeah. And, and I agree, she's got a, a a really distinctive voice. Yeah, Mark impressions.
0: Uh this was like I don't have a ton to say about this
2: one. I enjoyed it because like this is one you'd given
0: me before. Angel is somebody's you mentioned. Mm-hmm. A number of times so i've listened to her stuff before and i like it in that kind of like nico case way it's not like a daily driver for me but it is something that i've gone back to a couple mm-hmm. times this album this is probably the first time i've sat down and like listened to her like an album all the way because i was very much like shuffling through her stuff on spotify before i kind of listened to the most listened songs and stuff like that just to kind of get a feel mm-hmm. so it was an interesting listen i did feel like it kind of like it droned on a little bit in spots but i was like it was it's a little over long yeah it's pretty long but other than that, like I, I really enjoyed it. She does have a cool voice. She does do that thing that a lot of Paul's favorite vocalists do, where they will go outside their range for some weird dissonance reason, which I always find very off-putting. But it it worked better here than it did in like I'm trying to think of an album that we that, that happened a lot in where I was like, God damn On East or something yeah, like this. Is probably the best example of it. But like there's a couple other ones we <laughs> talked about where like Paul's Paul's singer dujoul would go and like do something. Outside her range, that would cause like a dissonant moment. I'd be like, "Why would you bother?" And whatever. But she does this. A lot, yeah, not as bad as yeah. like it's not like a Bjork level of like I'm going to make a strange noise to <laughs> make a strange noise kind of thing. But <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. My uh, my favorite track
1: on this album is High Five. Um, it's one. I like her slow burn songs like White Fire and Dance Slow Decades. I like I really, really like those songs. But when it comes to the stuff that is my favorite Angel Olsen stuff, it's like her shorter musical statements. Um, when she gets more into like the... I really love Unfuck the World, the, the first song on the album. Like it's a two minute just like slap in your face awesomeness. But my favorite is High Five because it's got this kind of upbeat almost Dolly Parton-esque country vibe to it, but the lyrics are so dissonant, which is, you know, my jam. And she's, it's like this very, like, accept your desperation and your loneliness with someone who's lonely too. And I really, I just liked that concept and the way that it blended with the tempo and the the feel of the, the country stomp that was going on with it.
0: One of these days, I'm going to send all these podcast episodes where you discuss like your favorite musicians to your therapist so that they can see the running theme <laughs> of uh, being lonely together that seems to permute through everything you listen to. Um, listen,
1: my, my therapist and I just hugged goodbye yesterday. Our case is closed. Leave me alone, goddammit. <laughs> <But>, uh,
0: <laughs> I think uh, I need to have a ch- conversation with this person so that uh, they can understand how deeply broken <laughs> you are just based on your musical choices. It's, it's fine. I'm fine. You're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Exactly. The problem would be she'd be like whoever it is would immediately be like, Can I see your musical? <laughs> I'm like, no, because you will immediately send me to a psychologist and I do not need that right now.
2: You listen to how uh, much uh Allison Chains? Matthew Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh you
2: need to be committed. <laughs> yeah. You need to go. You away. like
0: devil put dinosaurs there how much now? Like, no, like fair bit, <laughs> yeah. actually. A fair bit. Right. A fair bit. I don't know. I was almost like, there was a couple of these that were droning on long enough. And I'm like, how could you get down on Alice for droning when some of this stuff is exactly
2: the same? For
0: <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> Angel
1: Olsen, burn your fire for no witness. Excellent album. So moving on to number 23, yep. the white stripes, the or if you're going with the Dutch pronunciation of it, but yeah, I actually looked that up because I've been mispronouncing it for a really long time. Anyway, this is the White Stripes' second full-length album, and everybody knows who the White Stripes are. Hopefully, they are you know a two-piece punk-ish band, kind of. She's not good <laughs>
0: enough. She's not a good enough drummer to be for them to be considered <laughs> punk. Ball. It's, like, yeah, oh,
2: I don't know.
0: It's garage rock garage at rock. Like it's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Southern tinge garage yeah, rock. Yeah. With,
2: like, <laughs> There's some blues in there. There's some yeah. alternative yeah. in there. It's really, they're pretty hard to yeah. pin down in terms of genre.
1: Yeah. So I have always liked early white stripes a lot. They were along that garage rock revival of like the, the hives, the vines, the white stripes, et cetera. They were one of my favorites out of that whole group. Fever to tell by Yaya Yay Yaz is still, I still hold as like the, crowning glory of that movement, in my opinion. But as a band, I think like the the band that had the longest relevance was definitely The White Stripes. And this is still my favorite because it had a lot more variation than a lot of the other albums. And it didn't go... I don't know, the, the songwriting just felt tighter to me overall. I, I can sit through and listen to this album front to back whereas even on white blood cells i skip a couple
0: tracks or on elephant i definitely skip tracks on elephant his reach starts to exceed his grasp pretty quickly in terms of like the technical ability of this band and like what he wanted to do with this band i think yeah and that's always been my problem with the waist stripes i'm not gonna get into like how bad a drummer she is because it just infuriates me to listen to her (laughs) um but like i feel like this is probably the best of their albums based solely on the fact that like he plays exactly inside of what these guys are good at mm-hmm. and doesn't get over ambitious with it. Yeah. Um, I find like when you start getting into some of the later stuff, like he's so good, he's so fucking talented mm-hmm. and she just lets him down all the <laughs> time. And I know a lot of people like not everybody hears it, but like as a drummer, she's fucking infuriating to listen to. So like I hate the White Stripes because of that. And it's not like I hate the White Stripes, hate the White Stripes, but like I don't. Oh, they're hard for me to listen to.
2: <laughs> so. I don't know. Like hard. I'm gonna disagree. I I mean I I'm a pretty big White Stripes fan. I find it still to be their most mediocre album overall. Mm. Just nothing on it. Like Apple Blossom's all right. Hello Operators all le- all right, but nothing else on it really sticks out to me. Everything else just kind of like samey. It's I I don't think they really come into their own until White Blood Cells. Just that's probably my favorite album of theirs. And then like yeah, Elephant and Get Behind Me Saint and Nicky Thump like. There's some diminishing returns there, but they all have like really standout fucking singles on them. So I don't
1: understand how you can just say Apple Blossom is all right. It's my favorite White Stripes song after <laughs> song "Girl." So we we can fight on that. It's fine. I just you know
2: <laughs> I don't. Know, it's just it doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's it's a fine mm-hmm. song. It's uh but it just doesn't do the same thing that like like dead leaves in the dirty ground or something like that does for me or mm-hmm. like uh i don't know one of or like fuck off like white blood cells something like like i just love like we're gonna be friends or hotel yorba or something like that like that's the fucking white stripes that i love and i mean f- yeah. fell in love with the girls an awesome song too
1: yeah but, i think that a lot of that that is embodied on like, I think that the style and white blood cells are actually very similar records. And, you know, honestly, like I like them almost equally when it comes to white stripes records. But that being said, the style, the style for some reason, just edges it out. The first half of the album was super fun. The second half, like there's that white stripes tension in the songs where it's like, even regardless of what Jack white is singing about and his, vo- his voice is, you know, unique. And he, fine, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, he, he creates distinct, a lot. Yeah. It, he it creates a lot of drama in his performance. And he, I think he does that incredibly well on the second half of this album. Truth doesn't make a noise being one of those songs that I fucking adore. And then it gets really fucking silly at the, on the last song where they cover your Southern can is mine. I love, I just love the the dissonance of it. It's such a fun way to end the album. So
2: that one, yeah. would, that is a fun track. I'll agree with you there.
1: Yeah so honestly like i know we have this kind of like somewhat unwritten rule or at least mark and i do about like not repeating artists or at least not doing it too often so i could have, i could have put white blood cells very close to this on this list but if i'm going to pick one white stripes album this is mine
2: yeah fair enough yeah i think it probably comes down more to just a preference in terms of overall style i think you prefer more uh in terms of Indian alternative maybe more like stripped down kind of like this guy in his guitar or girl in his guitar kind of thing. I prefer mm-hmm. stuff that's a little bit more produced, some might say overproduced in some cases, so that's maybe why I like Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's why I prefer, you know, more of like the white blood cell and elephant and kind of white stripe stuff. Here. Yeah. Uh,
0: i just uh, wish she'd taken drum lessons the whole time got it just...
2: <laughs> but that was part of, that was always part of the charm for me uh that it was like lo-fi it was you know not necessarily lo-fi and
0: not it was... you know what i mean like there's so <laughs> many two-piece bands that have done the same thing like and every time a two-piece band comes out and people are like oh they're like the new white stripes i'm like i bet you they're fucking drummers better than meg white ever was <laughs> and every time i'm like yep that's from above better drummer royal blood better drummer or I like Black, both of these or something like that. Black Keys, or, yeah. yeah, Black Keys way better band than the White Stripes. <laughs> All three of them. That's what I'm saying right now. And only because they are but none, none of them Let's <laughs> listening to Meg White drum. <laughs> but none
2: of them have Jack White songwriting. And know, and, the and, problem, and they don't right? have the soul that fucking Jack White gives to his music. I mean Absolutely. Black Stripes do, or Black Keys does to to an extent, but not to the extent uh, that I think that uh, Jack White gets. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would take the. I would always take the black keys over the white stripes. But like that's that's a
0: facile argument. Like that's just me being. You know, <laughs> I hate fucking Meg White playing drums, and like the guy in the black keys is fucking amazing. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Fair enough. Nothing, nothing worse than like no limb independence in the drummer you're listening to for 40 minutes. Like it just it makes my <laughs> head hurt. So and it's I know it's totally like me nitpicking as a drummer, but fuck, she drives me crazy. So yeah. All right, so after that, that
2: rant. <laughs> Let's go to uh, uh, number 22, are we at?
1: Yeah, number 22. Number 22 is uh, Beach House's third album, Teen Dream. This album, God, they made it made me fall, a lot of people fall in love with Beach House. They were, when their first two albums came out, they were kind of pegged as like good, but they were just kind of another chamber pop kind of duo. And uh, their stuff was Good and I liked it, but it was not. It didn't wow me. And then Teen Dream came out, and there's not an album I can think of besides Bjork's Vespertine that embodies like a feeling of a time of year the way that Teen Dream does. This whole album makes me feel that feeling of winter's over, spring is starting, and everything is just like there's a chilliness to it, but the it everything is starting to warm up, and there that is so well embodied within the production of the album. They were kind of considered like this really super detached band. And then this album came out and they changed their production style to make everything feel just that touch warmer. And it made such a huge difference that this was very well regarded critically and uh, among fans.
2: So yeah, love this album. Teen dream. Cool. I'm also a big beach house guy. I I was a late comer to beach house. I only started getting them in the last like three years or so. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't listening to this stuff as it came out, but they're just—they're not an album band for me. It's just—it's so samey. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> this was the worst one for me to like listen to. As I was listening, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, this oh, is- <laughs> like the the quality shit. of the sound. Uh, like, uh, every song is almost the exact same fucking tempo. Like, I'd like the singles on this album. I like Beach House's single sort of across the board, and I like some like a B side here and there kind of thing, but fuck i just can't do a full album of it <laughs> <laughs> this
0: was the one where i was like this is the most paul album he's gonna pick in this, oh it's like, so it's
2: so, so twee
0: <laughs> like it's it is yeah it's very twee so i was kind of <laughs> like I'm, this was the one where i was like okay i'm skipping through tracks and i was like wow these don't change very much between tracks <laughs> <laughs> and i'll just put it on from the start and just like maybe i'll kill this fucking valkyrie queen while this album's playing yeah, it didn't help. Yeah. It didn't help at all,
2: actually. <laughs> but Beach House is—they're—they're they're one of my favorite bands of the past like decade. I would say at this point, their songwriting style is very particular in
1: that, like, the way that they structure their songs ha- can turn into almost like mantras. The way that um, Victoria Legrand yeah. sings. My favorite song on the album, and the one that I think embodies is the best, is "Silver Soul," the second track on the album, where the whole ending, second half of the song, is just the same line repeated again and again, slowly building in on itself, and then just getting bigger and bigger and bigger with the sound. I don't know why this pings me so hard. And like, it just gets the pleasure center of my brain and just these really small details. Like the way that she sings ah -Ah" in (laughs) silver soul or the way that the, the guitar sounds on Norway, it makes me feel like a burst of sunlight is hitting me. Like uh, it's cold, you know, when it's cold and you're like in the shade on a early spring kind of day and then you get into the sunlight and it's like that warm feeling that's what this album is for me and i i can't describe it any other way other than it's just like a sensory feeling when i listen to this album it's yeah i love it
2: yeah i can see that it's very it's very atmospheric music and it is very it's very evocative like it i mean obviously you know, you look at, back at something like My Bloody Valentine, who have mm. like, in a new album out now, like is obviously it's obviously a pretty big, good too, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, is actually a big, obviously a big influence here. Um, yeah. I just find that My Bloody Valentine, even though they have the same like sort of droney characters to their songs, there's enough difference between the tracks that I can sit mm-hmm. down and listen to at least one of their EPs all the way through. Yeah, yeah. But here it's just this is just personal preference for me. Beach House is more of like a like playlist or like mixtape kind of album. Like I would put this in between a couple like higher energy songs as a come down track kind of thing.
0: Mm, right. Um, it yeah. almost sounds like something you would put on if you were like too stoned and you needed to chill, like you're having yeah. a bad trip. And you just, yeah, exactly. Like, you start around. getting paranoid
2: or some shit. Yeah. yeah and you <laughs> yeah. put
0: this on. Like I could see it being like a good like I need to chill up before bed kind of record. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like nice calm thing. I was yeah. It didn't really suit what I was, you know, doing a lot of things to it, <laughs> right, obviously. Yeah. Because I was massacring fucking monsters. But, like, yeah. Like it's it, record. I like the tone. It's produced really well. There's a good, mm-hmm. like... I like the warm tone to it, like you are talking about that. And, like, the omnipresent... I think it's a Mellotron. Like, it's obviously an electric keyboard or something like that they're using. Mm-hmm. But like, it sounds like organ here and there. And, like, they do a couple different little things. I like that kind of, like, filling up your space with that kind of noise. Because a lot of my guys do that, too. But I just, like, it does feel... It's so, like... Minor, not minor key, but it's just so like mellow that I was like, oh man, mm. I like, felt very samey when I was listening to yeah. it.
1: And this is not an album like I'll pull out at any time. It's definitely yeah. one of those albums that I'm like, I'm going to sit and I need something to relax to. And I, that's not a, to the detriment of the album. Like there are a lot of albums where it's like, yeah, it's not going to like build you up like to uh, fever pitch or anything but the moments where it all comes together like at the end of silver soul or on uh 10 mile stereo or like there are a lot of moments on the album where i'm just like it all comes together and it's like it it washes over me in a really nice way and yeah tactile sensory experience all right. love it all right. yeah all
2: right. All right. Well, let's go to your your last one this time. Your number twenty one.
1: My number twenty one is FKA Twigs LP one. FKA Twigs. This is her first uh, LP. Just that's how she names her most her first bunch. So she had EP one, EP two, and now LP one. And then she had the Melissa EP after this. But she is a British singer songwriter, multimedia artist, dancer, fucking super multi talent type of. Person. She was originally a dancer for a lot of music videos before she got into the music industry as a singer-songwriter and got signed to Young Turks. She released two EPs that were really well received, especially in like the Tumblr community kind of stuff. EP two particularly had the the single "Water Me" that was the video for it was like widely circulated, mostly because a lot of because of the quality of the song and the visuals by Jesse Conda who did the. Cover art for this album, and this album is a natural progression for Elias self-titled. Like it just, if you take like a lot of the influence of like du- like dark dubstep, like Burial, and apply it to R and B, this is what you get. And I, there's not a song on this album that I dislike. I mean, it's all good. Particularly two weeks, it's like it's just like really dark bump and grind for me and i fucking love every single track but i i presume that you guys have some dissonant (laughs) opinions on that one i can feel it in the air well
2: i'm gonna come right out and say i was not able to find a full copy of this album to listen to uh there's only certain tracks of it that are up on youtube i wasn't about to go fucking buy it and it's not on uh amazon music which is the only streaming service i have so i got to listen to a couple of the singles and I liked it for what it was. It's not really like the kind you know, right up my alley kind of thing, but it was, it was good. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I just don't have, I can't give an impression on the overall album. Unfortunately, I spent a couple weeks listening
0: to the Aliyah album. Paul was referencing before, like in preparation for an episode of the other podcast that we've never done. <laughs> so like, I was listening to this and being like, oh, I can see, cause he mentioned, but you'd mentioned before Paul, that. Like, this is what you consider like the next progression from that, like Aliyah sound. And I do agree. Yeah, like there's definitely some cool stuff in here. It does have kind of the same problem where like you can tell there's a couple songs that she concentrates on heavily, and then there's a bunch of other stuff. That's
2: the pop problem in general.
0: <laughs> yeah, the pop problem in general. It's mm-hmm. very much that where like you can tell there's a couple tracks that are really like in depthly like labored over, and then a couple are like, yeah, we had an idea and we put it together, and this is it, and that's kind of the end of it. It works. It holds together a lot better than the earlier album did, to me anyway. But mm-hmm. it's still like it's not my bag, obviously. So I was kind of like. It's good. It was interesting though. Like it was definitely like as a piece of art, I was like, "Oh, she's got something going on here. It's just not my."
2: Style. It does it genre bends yeah. a bit from the stuff that I was able to find is yeah. that it, you know, it's somewhere in between like, you know, R&B and like indie pop kind of thing. So, it did ap- appeal to some of my yeah. indie pop sensibilities at least the the beats and that kind of thing. It yeah. is all on Spotify? Yeah, I but know. I don't have Spotify. Yeah, I don't. Know. Like I would
0: I <laughs> Yeah, I was just I'm like for everybody else. I'm saying like I know the rest of the world has Spotify, so it is on Spotify. So that's how I got it. Yeah, Tim's just fucking weird. I don't know. I think Spotify man.
1: A lot of the album has a an ambient quality to it as well because um like uh, she deals with a lot of themes of isolation on this album. Even though it is like it uses it's another one of those R and B albums that uses like an R and B template to explore kind of darker relationship moments and things like that, which is you know. Again, kind of my bag. It, this was produced by Arca, who has also produced two the last two Bjork albums, uh, Volnakira and Utopia, and has is pretty well acclaimed in his solo stuff as well. And regardless of that, I think like the production is really good and very much his signature. But the, I think the bare bones of the songwriting style is a testament to her, just her talent as a songwriter there are some moments on this album like the chorus to pendulum or the entirety of two weeks that whole fucking song just murders me every time i hear it that i am enthralled by this album a lot of the time where there's just like it when uh that initial of two weeks starts i'm like (laughs) i gotta i just gotta listen to this just gotta so I get really excited about FK Twigs. Unfortunately, after the Melissa EP, she has she's been focusing on her Instagram zine that she's Jesus. Kind of, like like I said, she's a she's a multimedia artist. She does a lot of different stuff. She's her if you guys check out the video for Glass and Patron, she big into Vogue culture as well, like the dancing ballroom scene. So she's a fucking amazingly talented dancer as well as singer. So check her out if you can. But if you guys need to check out one song of hers, check out the two weeks video where she's channeling oh, Queen yeah. of the
0: Damned yeah. Yeah. quite a lot yeah. in that, which is awesome. This is a total tangent. That movie keeps coming up in my circle for some reason. And I think it's because that Anne Rice like, show is coming up. People are talking about that. But like, the Aaliyah connection keeps coming up and stuff. And I'm like, I keep hearing about Queen of the Damned. And I know I don't want to rewatch <laughs> it because I know it's mm-hmm. a nightmare. Like I know it's bad. But I'm like... Man, yeah. why people, why does it keep it's, coming it's up? Come, it keeps coming up. Happen. And I know when that show comes up, like that's gonna come up even more. Like people are gonna really like start harping on that and yeah. stuff like that. But I'm just like, man, I feel like I need to like re-equip myself to like deal with criticisms of that movie because it keeps coming up. Cause then it is horrible. Yeah. Like it's real bad. But anyway. <laughs> it's all bad.
1: Yeah. So yeah, check out LP One. It's a pretty solid album, like through and through. I don't know where you, where else, you, like Apple Music doesn't have the entirety of the album either in Korea, because they, I didn't realize that they fully censor explicit content in Korea, uh, Korea even if you disable that option. So it's kind of bullshit and it pisses me off. And which is one of the reasons what I- is
2: this, North Korea?
1: Don't, don't get me started. Don't get me, oh.
2: No, you you have the internet yeah, and food. Have the
1: internet and it's mostly, well, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Working electricity. I don't <laughs> <And> have to <laughs> fewer fewer nuclear weapons. Yeah. My my computer isn't an empty box that people are pretending to type on for <laughs> propaganda. So it's kinda, you know, whatever. So yeah. Uh I can't wait to I got real depressing real quick. Yeah. I
0: <laughs> hey mean, sorry, that was my bad. I went dark. That's that's on yeah. me. I, I do that sometimes, you know.
1: So yeah, yeah. FK Twigs, check her out. She's pretty awesome. Check out her EPs too. They're all they're short, short and sweet, really good too.
0: Nice
2: nice all right well with that that uh that gets paul all caught up with us so next time we do one of these all three of us can uh can get into the nerdy fucking musical weeds together and i think we will like as we go further down this list the polls are gonna just get more and more fucking random and i'm almost more excited for those than like for top fives which for all of us were probably pretty fucking predictable yeah yeah so it's, it's going to start going off into the fucking like really obscure shit and like the like stuff that the totally out of character shit. Oh yeah. So it's
0: not even, it's not even just like out of character stuff. It's going to be like, well, we're going to start getting into like, you know, sixth and seventh albums of this band. Like people. especially like <laughs> Shut after, up about Joanne. Like, the God damn it. <laughs> no, but uh, I mean, good. Sure, but, like, that, but it's also just like, yeah, but anybody where, like, we start getting into, like, later albums that, like, like not a lot of people have covered yeah. in a mainstream kind of way, right? Like, you're going to be like, oh, how many podcasts do you think have spent, like, 15 minutes talking about, I mean, Joanna Newsom's East, because goddamn, but, like, <laughs> any of these. Like, Angel Olsen, like, how many people really spend a ton of time talking about Angel Olsen? How many people are going to spend a ton of time, I'm going to talk about Matthew Goodband's audio being, who gives a shit? It's, like, the fourth band album before they broke up and he went solo. Nobody cares, but we're going to talk about it eventually. Yeah. Like, that's kind of where I get, like, the interest for me is where we're going to start getting into, like, deep cut shit. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. that's kind of curious for me. So Nice. I'm very All excited right. to hear Paul's commentary on, like, Latter-day Pearl Jam records. I was like, that's part of the reason why I <laughs> want to get back to A, Side B is to be like, Hey, Paul, it's time to listen to Riot Act and just hear, like, the long, <laughs> groaning, <laughs> agony why did you yeah. do this to me on facebook
1: chat just constantly what the fuck why
0: yeah uh, just so i know that the next time that joanna Newsom lady comes up i can be like that's oh, why yeah that's man. why i can't wait to
1: get you there. oh yeah it's gonna be tit for tat eventually yeah it's,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's gonna start
1: getting ugly real fast <laughs> it's,
2: it's gonna just be a podcast of spite <laughs> spite yeah, listening if, eventually if not already
1: right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I like the Mitski stuff. I should have to get that episode out, but you know, yeah. that was good. That was a fun yeah. yeah. album. Uh, okay. Well, let's move on to our final segment of the episode, Geek Cred, where each of us uh, just recommends something we've been jiving on recently. So let's go to Mark first. I could recommend God of
0: War because now I finally beat it, but like not everybody's going to be into that. I've been listening to a lot of Bob Dylan lately, which may mm. just go to show how weird I've been feeling <laughs> overall, but uh, Blood on the Tracks guys. Just go listen to blood on the tracks and like, you know what? Don't talk to me anymore. That's basically like, if you, especially if you don't like it, like I don't want to hear about it because yeah, I don't know. I, I've been listening to a lot of Bob Dylan, so that's where I'm at. I don't know how <laughs> you should feel about that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Paul, your geek cred for this week.
0: All
1: right. So um, I, as some of you might know, I am an anime fan. Sorry guys. Sorry. <laughs> yeah but um i'm gonna be
2: one of those yeah
1: i'm gonna be hosting like a kind of anime marathon with my co-worker soon and i was you know trying to decide which we're gonna like force kind of side a side b our anime watching and force each other to watch something that you know the other hasn't seen yet i'm gonna be forcing her to watch uh puella magi madoka magica which is it sounds like the worst kind of magical girl series sailor moon style that you could ever imagine but it takes a really fucking dark turn around episode three and it gets worse from
0: there so it is a man mag- you just sorry can you just quickly say the title again because that didn't sound like words to me <laughs> Magi Madoka Magica. is any of that english no
1: okay that's what i thought. <laughs> yeah so it
2: is any of it japanese no that uh, sounds latin uh
1: except <laughs> except for madoka which is the name of the main character oh uh, okay It starts off as a typical magical girl series, which turns into a sci-fi psychological horror series by episode three.
0: So it's really fucking fun. And now on a scale of one to 10, zero, like (laughs) one being like no technical action and 10 being like (laughs) archer levels of technical action. Where does this fall? (laughs) There are no
1: there's no tentacle action. It's not a hentai. It's not, hen- it's definitely <laughs> okay. not. Hentai.
0: It's definitely not. Um, all of the characters. I yeah, just have to ask Fair. Fair. It's like, they're. sometimes people have recommended that I watch certain like anime things and I'm watching it. And then I'm like, Man, this turned into a hardcore fucking pornography right before my eyes. How did that happen? Yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know how that
1: happened. the The series this series is weird because, well, yeah, it starts off really light and sunny and turns really fucking dark really fast. And it's also been released in two different formats. It was a thirteen episode series first, and then those got kind of condensed and upgraded animation quality wise and turned into three, two movies, and then they. Uh, released a third movie, which is a continuation of the series, which is what I'm going to w- make my co-worker watch. And they're really good. They are, they, some of the action sequences are excellent, and the character development is really good. Just, if you're into anime, give it a try. It, if you're really into anime, you probably already have. So, whatever. Go. Madoka Magica.
2: Sounds like an interesting storyline in theory. It's just, I know I wouldn't be able to get past the anime side of it the actual genre itself mm-hmm. all right my geek cred for this week i have started catching up on the new season of last week tonight with john oliver and i fucking love that goddamn show i'd love the deep dives that he does and like he's able to distill really complex issues down into a five minute segment i mean i'm obviously as a whole fucking team of writers and everything and graphics and everything that just makes them so digestible and so easy to understand, like the complexity of why they can't get uh figure out a deal on Brexit and how it has to do with like the frictionless border between Ireland and Northern Ireland and shit like that. And it's just fucking like, if you're looking for a way to get, you know, caught up on an issue that you think is just like impenetrable, then if they've done a segment on it, I highly recommend you go find that. Most of their segments are all up on YouTube and everything anyways. If you don't have like HBO go or don't have other means well,
0: Craven Canada, you can watch it on because that's how HBO kind of comes in. So like, that's where I would be watching yeah. it
2: now. Yeah. yeah. Or, or some other means of acquiring it. You should be able to find most of it. Most of the segments up on YouTube anyway. So if you are not watching last week tonight, it is, I think probably the best of like the, news comedy shows out there right now. And I just wish that they didn't take the crazy long breaks that they do. But
0: yeah, it's been a problem for me with that show is like, I can't because it's so sporadic. I don't feel like I'm getting that consistent like dose of it. So like, I just don't like when he comes back, I'm like, I don't really care that much. Like I don't watch it as regularly mm-hmm. as like, like when John used to take John Stewart, like with a daily show would take a week off. I'd be like, fuck, I hate this week. Cause there's no Colbert slash daily show. show. Yeah. And then like with yeah. him doing only one show a week, when he disappears for, like, a month, like, I forget about it. Whereas, like, yeah. then I'd be like, oh, right, I got, like, four episodes of the Daily Show to get back on because, like, he came back this week. That was awesome. But yeah. Like, I don't know. Something about it, like, I love the show. I just, I, I haven't gotten back into it since he went on hate at the end of last year. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. there's only four episodes out that have come out so far, so you're not super behind or anything.
0: I'll go take a look. It's, like,
2: I do love John Oliver. I just, I've also been kind of, like, shying away from,
0: like, deep diving into any of the politics stuff because I'm just, like, it feels real hopeless right now. Yeah. Like it's really starting to feel real yeah. hopeless right now. And I'm just like, all right, I need to step away. Cause like I'm getting yeah. like real depressed and I need to just not be around it at all. I think so.
1: Yeah.
2: Fair. Yeah. It's maybe not the best for your mental no, health depending no. on that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think we will finish off this week's episode. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening and uh, listening to Paul get all caught up with us on his favorite albums. If you are fans of any of those albums or want to know more about them or have opinions on anything that we discussed this evening, then uh, you can yell them at us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast. Uh, You can tweet at us at DRD underscore podcast. You can email us at at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. And if you are not already subscribed, you can do so on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more recently on Spotify. So with that, uh say good night paul good night and say good night mark if you see her say hello good night (laughs) guys and uh we will talk to you next week go read planetary so that you can uh, join the conversation with us yeah yeah
0: we're gonna be doing planetary next week so go find a way to read that so you're caught up with us while we nerd out about warren ellis and john cassidy's insane magnum opus next week hopefully
2: anyway yeah so yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe one of us hated it. You don't know.
0: Don't, no, I, I honestly, your opinion matters very little to me on <laughs> this particular topic. So that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right. Look at these guys. Good. Good, good to know. <laughs>